The reason that I felt like this episode sort of warranted spotlighting them is because you cannot defeat what you do not define and you will never grow beyond what that you've made excuses for. So if you, if you're like, this is just what people do. Well, okay. Okay. Well then keep doing it. If it, but just know your vine is suffering because of it. What do we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, a podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. My name is Sammy Foster, joined with the one and only Boots. It's good to see you. You know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, we take complex matters, we attempt to make them plain and simple. I, I, I feel like today's subject matter is a little could be a little disconnected from that. Really? Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out the the portion of complexity that's caused by the absence of these things. And actually, as I'm verbally processing with you, I'm figuring it out. Well, you've successfully confused me. <laughs> so we're on a good good uh, starting trajectory right here. here. Yeah. Can I just, before you get into all that, yes, I want to point out... I'm wearing a Seattle shirt today. Mm. Oh, um, in honor of our Seattle following. Yeah, which has we haven't gotten any uh, stats on them as of late, but I believe it's holding strong, perhaps. Um, yeah. And also, every member of the team in studio today is wearing blue of some. Yes, it is. Some hey. form or fashion. Yes, so. yes, yes, we are. So we're a unified team today. Yes, we so are. So even though you're going to bring... Mike and I are in, in Navy. There's a little denim. <laughs> and you and Beck share the same hue of blue. That's like royal blue, I think, uh -huh. right? That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And okay. that's... Uh, where, where'd you get that shirt? So uh, one of our Simplexers, Cheryl, she gave me this. Are you serious? Yeah. Cheryl's also the one that bought us the sign. Yes. Yeah. Man, Cheryl's a gift giver. <laughs> I know that's maybe that's one of her love languages. Amen. We have to return the favor at some point. Yeah, well, I haven't gotten any gifts from Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> you can return the favor. Okay. All right. Uh, back to your confusing <laughs> setup for this episode. Yes. So just bring our viewers, listeners up to speed on uh, the catalyst, if you will, the birthplace of said subject matter that I'm getting ready to get into. Um, here at the church, we have over the course of the last seven weeks eight weeks, we have been working through a series through the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. And um, man, it's been a rich series. Um, uh, just, just listening to the other pastors, me being in that book throughout the week, um, man, it just, it, 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 it was like a, a springboard of thought for me in so many ways. Mm. Just reading the narrative of the Israelites, you know, leaving bondage, heading into freedom, God's miraculous work, covering, protecting, providing, and then all of the characters, if you will, therein, that being Moses and Aaron and, you know, the response of the people, out of that, that really created a forthcoming series, a new series, actually, the series is going to be launched after the turn of the year, sort of our New Year's series. Ooh. And in it, what I want to do just for a moment is I want to drill down into 
some incredible life lessons that I mm -hmm. have extrapolated from or have been pondering about when it comes to, and I've sort of entitled this Little Foxes. Mm. Little Foxes. Where's that come from? So that comes from the little creatures, uh, animals that are, you know, they're known for being orange or having fluffy tails. Um, <laughs> what? That's what you meant, like, what, what are foxes? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm glad you were joking. Oh, <laughs> I really got scared there for a Yikes. second. Oh, that's one of my favorite kinds of humor. Okay. It's just, like, intentionally 100% missing someone. So that, But yet being confident in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, doubling down. It's like, no, they are. That's a, that's a fox. Right. Yeah. So that, that comes from that verse. Is it Proverbs? Actually, it's Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Okay. Song so of Songs. Wisdom literature, though. There you go. Um, and it talks about the little foxes spoil the vine. The vine. The vine. Okay. Wherein the that book of wisdom, the author is talking about. It's the little things in life that we uh, either neglect to deal with, or that we overlook, or that we assume that are no big deal. Okay. That wind up slowly, surely, but steadily nipping away that can cause great damage. So foxes letting them nip long enough at a vine, it'll kill the vine mm -hmm. and it'll kill all the fruit that you're supposed to derive and harvest from that vine. And that can happen in so many facets of life. Um, what it is that I want to do just for a moment is I just want to speak to four, four, four foxes. little foxes, if you will, that I really believe that we have, um, many times we don't even see them as wrong. We just see them as something that we got to deal with or something that are rather inconsequential until they get big. But I want to make the argument that they are so detrimental, whether it be to our spiritual growth, whether it be to our mental health, whether it be to our spiritual maturity and our relational dynamics that we have one with another, these little foxes come and nip away. And many times we give them a hall pass, not thinking that big deal at all about them mm -hmm. when in fact they are quite dangerous. Yeah. And I was just going to say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but I, I feel like you've done a series similar to this, or at least a single message. Cause I have a, a vague memory of like back in third Avenue. Mm. So this is probably 10 something over years Look ago you. but but i say that because i couldn't remember the, so the book that it was found in but it was an impactful message for me and that stood out and that's and anytime i hear the phrase little fox i think about that message now now i have worked through not only myself but even the other pastors we worked through the song of songs you know several times um it's one of your it's favorites. It, oh, it, oh, it is. It's it's explicit, <laughs> but we've worked through it because it's so rich when it comes to relationships, intimacy, marriage, sex life, whole nine yards. Oh yeah, if you don't believe me, go read it yourself, mm -hmm. and uh, you will see God put it in there on purpose for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Nevertheless, let's get to the little foxes. Go ahead. So these may come as a little bit of a, huh. Some of them may come as a, I figured as much. Oh, man, I was really hoping you were going to do another noise. Some of these come as a, huh. 
Others as a hmm. <laughs> and still Ooh. others as yeah. The uh, first one is, is that one major little fox, and I see this happen all the time, especially this one is particularly detrimental to maturity and or growth and or change. And that is the little fox of constantly making excuses. Mm. Like some people have grown so accustomed to, and I'm going to argue this, that I believe that at its base, excuses are rooted in pride. Excuses are rooted even in an insecurity, which foundation is pride, or a fear of you having to deal with something that needs to change or you need to grow beyond. Here's what I know about excuses. Uh, whenever we decide that there's an area of life that needs to change, inevitably, Satan gives us excuses to stay the same. I believe sometimes it's a spiritual excuse prompt, and I believe it's our own fallen nature that causes us to offer excuses why is not to change, stay exactly as we are, or convincing ourselves that we don't need to do anything about that thing Mm -hmm. that we are aware of or that we felt the Holy Spirit put his finger on. And so excuses keep us paralyzed in a stunted growth. And, um, and you can see if you, if you're, if you're get eyes wide open to it, not only in your own life, but you'll start to hear it, see it and mm -hmm. experience it in other people's lives. Many times where I look for excuses the most is when I go where I feel like a conviction, like I need to, I need to shore up in that area. I need to shore up in positivity of speech. I need to shore up in my language, not being so cutting, detrimental, ignorant mm -hmm. at times. Little do you know, that's a, that's a shortcoming of mine. Um, or I need, to, I need to be more disciplined, whether it be by health, or time in solitude, things like this. Um, and I just gave you very, I ain't spilling my dirt on simplexity, all right? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the- uh, well, the, I got a shovel over here. <laughs> I bet you do, little partner. But I, I'm keeping it very PG. But for the areas that I feel like constantly I need to, to grow in, inevitably, my knee jerk is to defend, deny, or deflect. It's to excuse, mm, I, don't, I don't think I need to do anything about that. And so there's this portion of scripture in Exodus that I was going to just deviate from. No, 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 I'm going to root us in. Okay. But God comes to Moses and says to him, the God that showed himself powerful in the burning bush, in the middle of the Meridian Desert, where no one is around, speaks audibly to this to this shepherd and shows himself powerful and says, I want to send you. I got a work for you to do. I mean, how miraculous is that? Mm -hmm. You weren't looking for it. You, by God's architecture, and he leads you right to it. You're staring at this burning bush that's inflamed yet not being consumed. You know you're in the presence of the supernatural. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back. I want you to lead my children out of Egypt. I'm going to do it through a succession of events, yada, yada, yada. 
And his knee jerk is, I got excuses. Mm -hmm. I got reasons why you're wrong. I got reasons why I should just stay here with my little staff and these sheeps mm -hmm. over here and keep plugging along and not be part of any of that. That is so, it's a dramatic scene, but it's commonplace nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. And so it says this, but Moses then, after hearing this, pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. Like God didn't know that. No, I've been listening to you, Mo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I get it. Your I've bars <laughs> aren't that impressive. <laughs> I've heard your sentences. <laughs> you're, you're right about that, little partner. <laughs> yeah. He says, I'm not very good with words, and I never have been. And not now, even, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Mm. Like, like mm. Uh, essentially, we can do this all day. <laughs> you want to do this? Let's go ahead. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak here, or do not hear see, or do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you, and I will speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. That should have been period, period, mm -hmm. Pooh. Period, mic drop, game over. Mm -hmm. Nope. Oh, Milk was like, I got more excuses. <laughs> yeah. But Moses pleaded again, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. And this is after a whole succession. He goes, all right, I'm done with you. I'm going to send you, but I'm going to send Aaron with you. I'll, I'll go ahead and build a collab. Mm -hmm. You can do it. But that incident right there is such a testament of what we are so prone to do. We see this with Jesus telling this parable in Luke 14, where he said that the master of the banquet told his servants, you know, you know, go out into the highways and the byways and, and, and tell people to come. What, what it was was a metaphor of, I want people to be part of my family and my kingdom, and I want them to respond to my invitation of life and life to the full. But, but the scripture goes on to say, but everybody offered up excuses. Mm -hmm. I don't have time. I have something that I need to give my efforts and focus to. Um, maybe some other. This is such a little fox in life that, correct me if I'm wrong, but that I think nips away at our personal growth and all that God has in store for us, causing us to leave so much on the table simply because we have never killed the fox, mm -hmm. fox hunters. Ooh. We've never killed the fox of excuses, and we're good at it. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would hope so, Boots. Although I don't, I don't know if I like the image of killing foxes. It's a little, oh, I, it's a little violent. I ain't got no Mike problem with that. Okay. Image, especially um, those with mange, right? <laughs> yeah. My parents, my parents uh, like leave out food for foxes. Yeah. So. I'm partial, but well, so, no. See, they, they leave the food for them so they don't spoil the vines. <laughs> okay, the... that, that could be it. But no, but this just makes practical sense from the standpoint of, you know, if there's another level to be reached or greater maturity, progression, sanctification, um, instilling excuses just tells you, oh, no, this actually can't be achieved. That's right. It's not It's not just the why mm -hmm. of, of why it can't be achieved, but it's it's a... It's almost like you're setting yourself up for this is the ceiling and I cannot go past it because 100%. of X, Y, and Z. So I, I think that 
That makes a lot of sense. It's our first fox. Yeah, first fox is excuses. So to our listeners, viewers out there, I just want to ask you a very pointed question, and that is, where is it that you are most prone to make excuses? And the second question is, where is it that you believe God's calling you to change? It could be small. It could be seismic. But then ask yourself, do I make excuses in the place of causing me to stay exactly the same. Mm. Where is it? And I believe for every single one of us, unless you walk on water and you have arrived, which is zero people, <laughs> you have areas to change. And yet we're prone to make excuses in place of yep. little Fox. Number one, we could end right there, but we got three more. We got three more second, second. This is a little one. This is what I have called now our native tongue. Okay, Satan's native tongue is lying. I would argue this is our native tongue in just relating one to another. And that is the second little fox of complaining. Mm. Oh, gosh. Just let it percolate. <laughs> Think about how often we do it. Think about how this is just us, you know, uh, I said a few weeks ago, like, like we'll start conversation with, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm tired. That's just a segue. It's just a segue <laughs> complaint to tell you all the terrible things that are going on in my life, that I'm broke, that I can't stand my job, that, you know, my wife w won't, won't stop nagging me, my kids, oh, them, them little gremlins are unruly. And then on and on we go. We complain. We complain about politics. There's good reason for it. We complain about the economy. We complain about our circumstances, our situations. We complain about the way we feel. We complain about what we don't have. We complain about other people. Um, I just want to say this. In Exodus chapter 16 is where the children of Israel really start to complain. And when you think about it, I know it's really hard to place ourselves in their context and imagine ourselves in this, in the middle of this exodus, leaving such a terrible bondage and oppressive lifestyle and then being brought into this new liberated freedom of where they're following God. I mean, and they're following God, not just by just sheer wonder and like mm -hmm. mystery, but they're following a cloud by day. Yeah, literally by following him. Literally. They know the presence of God is with us. Mm -hmm. And yet, yet, even amidst all the miracles, seeing the cloud, seeing the fire, seeing manna descend from heaven so as not to have to hunt, fend for themselves, gather their own provision. God rains like this mystery meat, like spam out of the sky. And here they are being nourished by it, led. And then they have this, you know, their priest, Moses, that's giving them instruction while at the same time promising them there's this land called Canaan of where it flows with milk and honey and God has abundance in store for us. Cities that we haven't built, hard, you know, you know, fruitfulness that we haven't even planted mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And yet, because of their impatience and because of monotony, that's, that's, that's yeah, key. They got sick of the blessing of the man. They, got, they took the blessing for granted. 
and they just gave way to constant grumbling and complaining. I would just have, have, have us know, here's why this is so convicting to me, is because complaining deeply offends the heart of God. And I think if we view it through that lens, rather than, ah, this is just something I need to sure up one, but we're mindful of complaining deeply offends the heart of God. It offended God so, so badly that he, he was like, well, then you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't get all that I had in store for you. That, that sort of messes with me a little mm-hmm. bit, where mm-hmm. it causes me deep introspection of going, this little fox that I give a hall pass to and think, no big deal, um, that comes so fluid, how deeply am I offending the heart of God that's been so good and faithful? Mm-hmm. That what he wants to hear out of his children is he wants to hear gratitude. Yeah. And he wants us to overlook the things that we don't have and focus on the things that we do. But yet we give a lot of life. You know, the scripture says there is power of life and death in the tongue. There's a lot of death that comes from our tongue, all in the vein of complaining. Mm-hmm. And we've just grown so accustomed to it, not knowing it truly does destroy our mental wellness. Because whatever you magnify, you eventually replicate. And so we, 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 we do it. And I would just say one of the ways that we, that we turn the tide is if you are one that constantly gives way to the little fox of complaining, make it your concerted effort to give constant words to rejoicing, hmm. to just talk about the goodness of God. Yeah. Talk about the blessings that you, you have. Itemize his faithfulness. Look around your landscape, your life. And I'm not saying that all of our life, lives are unicorns and lollipops. I, I, I get it. There's hardship and struggle. But even in the midst of, you see the Apostle Paul being shackled to a Roman centurion in prison with him and Silas. And this cat is leading a worship service at midnight. Whereas easily he could have been complaining. Well, I would have been complaining you about bet him. You sweet bippy. <laughs> Keep it down. Come <laughs> <laughs> <Kind of> sleep. <laughs> hey, hey, Paul, yeah. save some for tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, but no, he could not not rejoice. Yeah. I think, what do you think, Back? Do you think that complaining mm-hmm. is, a, is a little fox worth not just considering? Definitely. Definitely. All you see on social media is people complaining. Oh, my gosh. That's all they run to now. Let me see what I can complain about now. Totally. And and complaining has been kind of to that point repackaged and rebranded as interesting. Yeah. So like you're more you're more interesting or you're more. Huh. If you've got like a bunch of stuff to complain about to somebody. Well, let me tell you what's going on. It's like. Well, we love to hear other people complain because sometimes it, it helps us feel better about our situation. Mm-hmm. You know, so we love to listen to somebody. But truth be told, it doesn't invoke sympathy. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sad for them. Actually, we wind up talking about them. Yeah. And especially if you're willing to put your drama on face place, oh, you're open target. Mm-hmm. Well, I know someone that complains just to get free stuff. Oh, like at a restaurant. Or oh my gosh, wrong. that was wrong. It's like, hey, what are, you, are doing? you serious? Oh yeah. What's their name? I cannot <laughs> tell you that. Is it, is it Sammy? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and I like what you said about, you know, it hurting the heart of God because it, at its core, complaining, like you said, is the antithesis of gratitude. Mm. So you think about, like, what are the things that really bother us when, like. 
just this is a silly example, but you give like a kid a present on Christmas mm. and, you know, you probably shelled out a decent amount of money for right. it and they open it up, but it's the wrong color or something like that. And yeah, they're yeah. like, Ugh. that that just hurts yeah. someone who like, but I gave you this, like this, this is a gift. The, the response to that is supposed to be gratitude, not complaining. It's, it's the 100% antithesis of it. And hey, let me tell you, that deeply resonates with me because I like giving gifts to my kids, but I'm in it for a degree of reciprocity. <laughs> like, I, I, like I'm sitting on that sofa, half awake, hair going every which way, you know, <laughs> you know, sitting there in my, my, my jammies, you know, looking at them because Ruth is Ruth wakes up on Christmas morning, like bright eyed and bushy tailed. My incentive are two things. I want my coffee and I want to sit there and see smiles and gratitude. Yeah. When I don't get it, <laughs> Christmas is canceled. <laughs> I, it offends the heart of daddy Yeah, because I am like, dude, that cost a lot. The effort that the effort that your mother put in to go get it. <laughs> the fact she had to put that bike together. You better. <laughs> she worked hard on that. <laughs> Mama Ruth put heart and soul into that. You do. You expect gratitude, and what you get is complaint. Mm. It's altogether wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I just think, hey, make no mistake, Sociology 101, the most healthy mental and emotional people there are are people that are grateful. Mm -hmm. mm. And we think we can circumvent it. Uh, we'll complain our, our way to happiness. Yeah. <laughs> That's like trying to spend your way out of debt. Yep. Let's 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 see it as a little fox that's nipping at the vine. Okay. All right. So with that, here's 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 my segue that leads into number three, and that is is that right now, like if you watch the news, we are sold bad news. Mm -hmm. Never, never are you told good news. It's all it's all bad. Why? Because bad sells and bad creates intrigue. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, set, you know, complaining does. While at the same time, bad creates intrigue, but it also creates fear. Little Fox number three. Mm. And that is, is that we live in such a fearful, anxious society right now that I think that, yeah, we can suppress it where I'm not totally opposed to prescription drugs. And we can suppress it by various measures that we overcome. But I think one of the greatest detriments to life, happiness, and being radiant for the Lord is the fox of fear. Mm. And I'm actually, this is, this is one that I'm, I'm going to argue. It's not a little fox. It's a big fox. Mm. It's, it's a fox that culturally we have cultivated and we sell and we promote and what it does is it creates this paralysis of anxiety that even believers. Scripture says in 2 Timothy, I believe, 2 Timothy 2, 4. One of them. Split the difference, three. <laughs> <laughs> For God has not given us mm. a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. It's really uh, amazing just to think of the, the fundamental of that, that the heart of the Father is that Boots would have a sound mind overflowing with love and feeling confident. That's what, that's what our, our mm -hmm. Heavenly Father wants for His children. Mm -hmm. Hey, be still, 
be confident in the power that comes from my might, not your own. And, and I want you to overflow with love from a real secure place. And he has to caveat it on the front or preface it by saying, but fear doesn't come from me. Mm -hmm. Fear comes from the enemy of me. And fear is your propensity. See how I just did that yeah. right there? Come Good. on. Got the preacher. Mm. Preacher gear just preacher kicked in. <laughs> um, and so we fear over a million things. I just, I wrote a couple down. We, we fear over loss, the loss of someone, the loss of something, financial security, a loved one, um, the security of our trustworthy relationships. We, feel, we fear failure. We're paralyzed by it, but it, actually this present generation is the slow, what, I, I think it's generation Z rather than generation, um, than millennials that are the slowest to get their driver's license than any, any previous generation before. Why? All because of the paralysis of the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want to, they don't want to fail. Gen Z. Yep. So like this thing is starting to like set in um, even, even more. We fear rejection. Oh, oh my gosh. I watch my kids and I sort of relive the days in high school where Asher's now graduated, but Lucia, my heart breaks for the insecurity of certain situations and dynamics that I can see the fear of not being approved or not being accepted but that's just not my 16-year-old daughter. That's all of us. Mm -hmm. That's all of us. That then motivates us to do other things, all to mitigate that fear. And then lastly, the fear of the unknown. I think this is why bad news sells. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we're trying to, we did a whole episode on uh, control the unknown. So we like to know what's the worst case scenario that can happen and we stay glued to it because we're motivated by, by fear. And... Um, I think just a couple things just for, for practical means. What you fear the most many times is the clearest indicator of what you value the most. Huh. So if you fear harm happening to your children, your spouse, um, your finances, it, it it's not altogether wrong. Yeah. I value my children. I value my wife. I value financial security. I, I value that. But not only does it determine what you value the most, but what you fear the most also is the clearest indicator of where you trust God the least, mm -hmm. of what it is. That was a, that's a quote by uh, the one and only Craig Rochelle that said, you know, follow your fear. And it will illuminate where it is that you, your lack of trust. And that is really, really helpful. So God is so good that he says, I haven't given you fear. Identify where it comes from. But secondly, know this, that I am the one that wants you confident. I am the one that wants you feeling loved and secure. And I want you to have a sound mind knowing I'm going to take care of you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. There's a linchpin in fear somewhere, and you got to find the root of it to deal with it. But if you don't, that little fox. That big fox. Big fox. It will tear you up. Mm -hmm. And it'll, it'll, it'll rob your joy. It'll rob your peace. It'll rob your life. And, and as a pastor, 
I see this so often. It breaks my heart. And there's no talking people out of it. It really is. Um, it, it comes by way of you spending time and being reminded of who you are and whose you are. Mm -hmm. But fear is a little fox. And then lastly, number four, and closing. This is going to be a short one. This is a short fox. So we've had a big fox, a couple little foxes, and now a short <laughs> fox. <laughs> Man, you are cheese. <laughs> Lastly is the little fox of comparison. Oh. I think, I think we live in a culture right now that the, the, the children of Israel came to this. They actually compared their situation following God to their bondage in Egypt. And because their, their lens was so distorted and their hearts grew so ungrateful, they convinced themselves it was better in slavery. Yeah. yeah. Comparison is, I'll say it this way, where comparison begins, contentment dies. Yeah. Mm. Where you start to compare, we compare about a million and one things. We compare our possessions like cheap plastic and wood goods, some metal. Like we compare what, what our trunk mm -hmm. has versus somebody else's, and we, and we either feel proud or insecure because of it. Yeah. Like I'm better than them or I'm less than them, all according to possessions. It's a terrible trap. Secondly, we compare appearance Think about this for a minute. I mean, like the whole, the whole thing is geared about who looks better than who. Mm -hmm. I think it's been that way since the beginning of time. Certainly, I mean, we saw this all the way back in the Victorian era and yada, yada, yada. And all, all you that. remember back then, back right, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, this idea of comparing who's more handsome, who's more pretty, who's more, who's more built, like the whole gram, mm. it's, you call it insta-comparison. Insta That's catchy. <laughs> it's just all you're doing is comparing. It's a minefield. It is 100% oh. a minefield. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm growing more and more convinced that I can't handle it. Uh, amen. We can't. We, we can't. I, I don't, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> but, but we can't <laughs> handle it. We weren't built uh. to handle that much eye stimulation of... Just it, it messes with us. It makes us depressed. It makes us insecure. It makes us angry. And all of it is rooted largely in comparison. Yeah. The Bible says in Corinthians, he that compares himself to another is unwise. Yep. I, Paul essentially said, if you make it a constant to compare, you're a fool. Mm -hmm. You're a fool. Because there's no win in it. It either leads you to one of two places, either arrogance or insecurity. Then we compare, not just appearance, but then performance. That's always, that's, 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 that's dudes. Like how, this is why, this is why just for the record, I say this often, when dudes meet one another, like the first thing that we, we do is we say, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a comparison game. 
I get it. And, 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 and men won't cease to do that. I do that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but it also lets you a little bit understand their background, context, where they're coming from. Um, but what, what do you do? That, that has an element of comparison. And then lastly, what is so dangerous is we compare circumstances. Mm. We compare our situ- my situation to yours, uh, my you know, context of life to yours, my blessings or struggle to yours. Um, that never ends well. And that little fox of getting, and, and know this, I don't say this naively. So I just want to say this as we bring this in for landing. When it comes to complaining, when it comes to excuses, when it comes to fear, and when it comes to comparing, the, you don't even have to think about these things. Mm-hmm. You just do them. So they're, they're, they're intrinsic, if you will. That would be the right word for that, right, Boots? That's right. So, so we inherit these in our fallen nature, and we do them so naturally. The reason that I felt like this episode sort of warranted spotlighting them is because you cannot defeat what you do not define, and you will never grow beyond what that you've made excuses for. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're like, this is just what people do, well, okay, okay, well, then keep doing it. If it but just know your vine is suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not preaching at, I'm walking with, and I just see this. Saw it in, through the series in Exodus, see it in my own life, and I've just been sobered by the thought of, I got I to gotta kill those foxes. Jeez. <laughs> I'm getting, a, I'm getting a double barrel shotgun, <laughs> shooting them with both barrels and throwing the gun at it, yeah. as my old man used to say. Yeah. But um, I yeah, digress. Just, just about the, the comparison one real quick. Um, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the Israelites and how they were comparing their current situation to back in Egypt. When we think about comparing ourselves to others, whether it's appearances or uh, performance, all those things that you listed out, we almost have this thought that like we're weighing every line and it's like this is an analysis that's really scientific and facts-based. Yeah. The reality is the comparison is not even accurate. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like, right. like what you said, it was a perversion of the comparison. So you're seeing, again, we, we've said mm, this that's really good. however many times when it comes to Instagram, you're comparing yourself to their highlight reel. Like you're comparing your assumptions about someone else to the realities of your own struggles and heart. It's like the comparison, it's not even helpful because it's not even accurate. Yeah, it's not <laughs> even real. Yeah, even it, it wouldn't be healthy to have an accurate comparison. Right. It's certainly not helpful to have an inaccurate comparison. Um, but then I just think about how all those foxes, they're strategic little foxes. Yes, they are. Because they don't just, they're not, they're not just working by themselves. No, they they're team in collab. Up. They, they're, they're, they're colluding. They're like SEAL team foxes. <laughs> <laughs> they're SEALs. Um, but no, how, how you compare yourself, that naturally lends itself to complaining. Absolutely. Because, oh, well, I don't have as good a life as so-and-so. And then that turns into fear. Maybe because I don't have a good life, it's going to, you know. So yep. they all kind of yeah. go together. Cross-pollinate and work together. The, the foxes cross-pollinate like bumblebees. They're, <laughs> they have a lot of different... We could do this all day. ...animal-like <laughs> tie-ins. But yeah, I think that's, um, that's really helpful, and that's convicting for me. Um, 
And I'm looking forward to that sermon series, yeah, I my friend. It, Dropping in. I, I've seen you make a lot of excuses. You yep. complain a ton. You're a scared little partner, and you're constantly comparing yourself. Yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we do better, Boots? Let, let's try. <laughs> let's try. And I'm not going to make excuses for it. So. Oh, okay. Hey, you've also said comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, it is. So it's a thief of contentment and joy. Hey. That's stealing a lot. You write that down. I'm quoting you. Yeah. Yeah. Quoting me, quoting you. (laughs) Welcome to Simplexity. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, If you haven't already, go ahead and check us out on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast. And you can follow us on Spotify or Mm. Apple. Yes. Love you guys. Hey fam, again, thank you so much for listening to Simplexity, and we so, so appreciate the Simplexity family. If you do like our podcast, and we very much trust you do, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or even on the gram at Simplexity Podcast. We love you guys.